go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning. How's everybody doing? You know, now that we have a building or whatever, like coming outside of somebody's house hits different. Like it's, a, it's not by necessity, it's just a privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like we get to come outside and chill. We're not forced to be out here or whatever because we, we, we don't got nowhere to go or whatever, but we get to like gather in somebody's backyard, which I think is absolutely amazing. And so I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the McCains, Mike and Brittany, for allowing us to be over here at the house. You know what I'm saying? Coming and, uh, you know, hanging out in their beautiful backyard and all that good stuff. You know what I mean? So I appreciate it. Thank you to our worship team. That was amazing also. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. And then Bria, saw you on Facebook uh, stories singing Today Was a Good Day by Ice Cube yesterday. I thought she, I thought she was going to sneak it into the prayer or whatever and be like, today was, is, you know, something or whatever. Anyway, you and your, your sister Lana over here or whatever. I saw both of y'all doing karaoke. Anyway, y'all ready to jump into this word this morning? All right. So if you've been walking with us for a minute and going through this series, whatever, we've been inside of 1 John, and we're working our way through, through 1 John. We're still early inside of it. Um, and I'm latching on to the text. Um, we're in 1 John 2 this morning, and I'm going to be going um, verses, verse 3 through um, 6 is where we're going to be at today. And if you may have not been there, but we, I actually preached the first part of this at Seth's Church um, our brother uh, pastor said over at Dream Church or whatever a couple of weeks ago, and we had an amazing time over there, and um, I'm going to just be flowing through with it. So first thing I want to do is give you a little context about what's happening inside of this, right? So let me read it real quick. Let me read the scripture, and I'm going to give you context of what's happening. It says, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we, if we keep his commandments... Whoever says, I know him, but does not know, does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this way, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I don't know about you or whatever, when I hear that text or whatever, that's one of those things that's like, you know, it throws you in kind of a condemnation mode or whatever, where you'd be like, like, yo, my, my walking, I don't know if I was getting my walk on. I don't, I don't know if I've been keeping all the commandments. It gets you a little nervous or whatever and stuff, right? So um, that's kind of the cliffhanger of this text or whatever. So let me, give you a little, let me give you a little context of why John is leading the conversation like this. If you read down a little bit further in John, John talks about a group of people that have left the church, right? So they've left the church. And when they left the church, they didn't go quietly. You understand what I'm saying? They went out making some noise, talking some mess. And what they really did, they th- caused a lot of theological conviction, um, um, division inside of the church. Y'all with me so far? Everybody wait? Everybody wait? All right. All right. It's, it's peaceful out here. You can fall back. Don't, don't start nodding back or whatever. I'm telling you. You know what I mean? And um, so they have this division that's not necessarily le- happening in the church, because the group is left, but on the way out the door, they cast some doubts in people's minds. Y'all, y'all understand where I'm coming from? And so when you read through the text and you start going through it or whatever with John, it doesn't tell you exactly what these people did, but you kind of start to get clues about 
what they may have been saying because he's actually answering their, 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 their issues, right? And so you read in 1 John 1, 6, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. 1, 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. He who says, see, when we read this all the time, we always like, we like, you know, thousands of years later. So we're like, he is just the bad people, whatever, right? But he's actually specifically in the narrative. And so he says, he who says, I know him, but disobeys his commands as a liar. 2, 6, he says, he who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In 2, 9, he says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness still. 4.20 says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. So he's, he's answering some very specific things. And what he's trying to do is get some muscles on the church. Like, let me give you some things so you don't get swept away by all this chit chat everybody's making going out the door. Y'all get where I'm coming from? He's trying to fortify their faith in Jesus. So people can't just come and just start talking and going at them, right? You know what I'm saying? And so you lead in any kind of ministry, whether you're the lead pastor or you lead ministries or whatever, after a while you start dealing with some of the hurtful things that happen. People leave. It's just a part of it. Sometimes people need to leave. It's not that they don't love Jesus anymore. You're just not on the same page. But sometimes people leave and they just start mess for no reason. You get where I'm coming from? Like John is, he's, he's painting his picture. He's like, some of these, some of the questions are probably sounding like, hey, I thought like, I thought they were like one of us. Why is like this thing happening? He's like, yo, everybody ain't one of us. Everybody don't see Jesus or need Jesus the way you might be experiencing him. Do you get where I'm coming from? So he's trying to make clarification. He's trying to bring that and give them understanding that and really fortify their faith so they can distinguish what it is so they do not get swept away. Joshua 24, 15 says this, it says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors um, serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And then he makes this statement, but as for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. You, get, you see what I'm saying? He, he, he's in the same circumstance all the way in the Old Testament. This is what Joshua is dealing with. People are flip-flopping. They're doing weird stuff. They're trying to go back to their ancestors, their gods, where this and that and everything. He's like, yo, I can only preach the word to you. You got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. But as far as I'm set up, we serving the Lord. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Sometimes you got to have some of that, yeah, as, as far as I roll. That verse I just read to you, that but as for me and my household, it's on the back of my arms. So right here, on my, it's tattooed on me. And the reason I did it is because I was in a space where, like, a bunch of my friends were like just leaving the Lord. Cats who spoke into my life. It started getting real weird. I needed this text right here. I'm like, homie, this is getting strange. You get where I'm coming from? I don't know about you, but this last season we just went through with all this division and everything else and racism and, and political you know, hostility inside of the country. I was sitting on my porch a bunch of days like, Lord, what in the world is going on? I'm looking at the gospel real quick, like, hold on, what, what is this right here in the church going on? Do you get where I'm coming from? This right here, this text is perfect for distinguishing what is and what isn't, right? For ourselves personally and for other people we have to look at, right? Everybody's not going to be the same as you. Everybody hasn't come to that conclusion. 
that as for them, they serve in the Lord. Some people amongst you sometimes, they kind of, they're not really sure. We've had people in the church that have walked with us, served, been a part of community and everything else. And then they're like, hey, Pastor Jay, I'm checking out. I'm like, all right, like, you, what, you moving somewhere? They're like, nah, I'm done with the faith. And then say, I actually never believed. I just really didn't have any friends here and I needed some friends. But, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, that's the, you just kicked me in my gut. You know, it's like that hurts. But it hurts the community also. Like people feel it and it's like we're leaning into family, into relation. That's what we preach in the church. There's loving each other, sacrificial love for each other, loving like Jesus. And so when somebody undercuts it, it hurts a little bit, right? But you still at the end of the day, it's a part of life and a part of dealing with humans. And by the grace of God, if not for the grace, there goes me or whatever, right? But here's the thing. You still got to put a stake in the ground and go, but as for me and my household. This is what we're going to do. You get where I'm coming from? It may, it's going to make you counter culture. It may make you counter some of your friends. Right? I ain't going to put nobody in the spot, but there's somebody in this room or whatever who I respect tremendously. And I remember back in the day, they had a group of friends in the church that they were really, really close and tight. And their whole crew left. And they were just, they were just here on their lonesome. You get where I'm coming from? And so I had to ask them. I said, yo, why haven't you left yet? The whole posse done rolled out. Like, you know what I mean? I know that's your squad. Like, why you, why you still here? And they're like, because I know I've talked to them. I heard all of their reasonings. And sounds like a bunch of crap to me. I was like, my dog. My dog. Okay. You get where I'm coming from? They did an old me and my household kind of deal. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah. So I just want you to understand, this is the context of what is actually happening here. John is looking to do this for them because people done started throwing. It's a very theological conversation, really, because that's what they're going at, the theology of it all or whatever. They're like, yo, we can sin or whatever and do whatever we want to, whatever. We still working with the Lord. And Paul, I mean, John is like, nah, homie, that's not how it goes, right? So let's keep moving real quick. A little bit more context or whatever. The, so 1 John 1, 5 through 10. So in the beginning of this text, not the one we're in, we're in 1 John 2 and we're going verse 3 through verse 6. But in this first part in 1 and 2, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. These things he's referring to is back in the previous chapter in John 1. And he is talking about the body of text in 5 through 10 where he says, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. And he says, the blood of Jesus will actually cover all of your sins, right? You just got to step in the light with it. So it's important that we grab this as we begin to go through this text because there's a lot of straightforward statements like, yo, if you don't keep his commandments, then you're a liar and you're not his. And I'm explaining to you what keeping means and all these and knowing him and everything else or whatever. But when he says, I write these things so that you may not sin, I want you to look at it like this right here. The sin, he says in the same text, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. So when he's referring to sin, he's not referring to you being sinless. He's referring to a lifestyle of sin that says God and his truth means nothing to me and I'm going this way. Y'all get where I'm coming from? For the believer walking after God, I've told you before, if you was watching me or whatever, if Jesus is, if God is pointing us that way, being a believer looks like walking, stumbling, oh, junk, okay, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. And it's kind of, it's kind of schizo and crazy sometimes or whatever, but it still has God's word, esteem, his kingdom, Lord of our life, always pulling us forward, sanctifying us, 
doing things to us. Rebellion looks like I'm going the other way. Like I don't really care what we reduce this word to nothing. We don't we've blocked our ears up. We don't care what he's saying. So we're going this way. You get where I'm coming from? But like you, you aren't a good or a bad. You are in a process of sanctification. You are made good because of the work of Jesus Christ. But we often go look at the scriptures and we go, oh, oh, my God, I don't think I did that. I need to get my stuff together. But if you're reading it like that, then you're going to completely miss it. And I don't want you to miss this because it's very, very important because it will fortify your stance in what you know about what God is doing. Y'all with me so far? Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah. All right. That next part of um, 1 John 2, in 1 and 2 he says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So Paul, I mean, excuse me, John wants them to come to a resolve about their salvation in Christ Jesus. All right. He wants them to understand the process intricately. Right. So no one can run game and fool them. Right. And this is my objective for what, what I'm preaching to you today. So he, he hits that. He lifts Jesus high and he says, Jesus is our advocate. So we know that we know that this thing is not about walking the commandments perfect because he is giving you answers to your sin condition. Jesus is the advocate. He's talking to the father on your behalf. Right. His blood stands before between you and judgment. He is the pavement. His life is the pavement for your sins. So you actually get to live in freedom. You get to walk in the light, knowing that the blood of Jesus covers your sin. So he makes this statement. He stands that monument up and he goes into the text that we're about to go into today. And he says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. In verse four, he says, whoever says, I know him. But does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. This is the question of the day, right? This whole thing when he says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. This is the best news of the day, because if you actually land on confirmation with your salvation and your standing in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up in the morning and the enemy is just in my ear, like saying, like, you are wretched and disgusting and dirty and whatever, like all day long going at my esteem, going at my trust. And what he's really trying to do is really break my trust in what Jesus has done. Does anybody ever feel that and understand where I'm coming from? He's, he, he, he's always trying to make it like, you really believe all that? 20 years in, I've been walking with the Lord. Still, he's, you really believe all that? He's trying to break confidence in what Jesus has done. And what he's trying to do is get me, you, everybody else to focus on what you do every day. Because we, by no means, can earn our salvation. But in this text, John is saying, this is how we come to know. Like, we need a process for knowing. We need a way that we actually know. That when the enemy comes and he's trying to bring doubt, that you can smash it back in his face like, homie, I know. Y'all with me? Yeah. He goes on, he says, we keep his commandments. And I'm going to go into that a little bit. But we need to know what this no thing means or whatever, right? When I was a kid or whatever, I went to, I went to, um, 
I, I remember at a certain point in my life, my mother became a believer. Things in our life changed or whatever and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like back in the days, you used to go to church. They sell you the tape after whatever. The tapes start popping up before we had the Gap Band or whatever. Cool in the gang, all these, you know, new edition bumping or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm listening to, you know what I'm saying, all kind of people, whatever, preaching or whatever and all this kind of stuff. I don't know who was back then. Jimmy Swagger or somebody, something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It was, everybody's too young to know. I'm getting old. All right. Anyway. So I'm like, you know, life is changing. My mom puts me in a Christian school, I'm going to Christian school. I go to chapel every single day or whatever. And, and you know, I'm in chapel. You know, they're praying in class and everything else or whatever. But I didn't, I didn't know God. I knew about him. I even, I even can bust some scriptures off the top of the head. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, word. Jesus wept. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew some stuff. You get where I'm coming? I knew some things. But I didn't know God. You want to know what it, you know, you know what it did for me? It made me a nervous wreck all the time. It made me feel like I was failing all the time because if I read the scripture like this or heard anything, I just knew. Like, I was a little young boy, like a little devious little something. I'm like, I am nothing like, well, I'm like, I'm not keeping any commandments. I didn't know, I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know anything about mercy and grace or whatever. They didn't preach about it at all or whatever. I never heard those words till I got older. But I'm just saying, all it did was serve to condemn me more and more and more. I didn't know God. I didn't know him. I knew all about him. Mad people in the church right now. Famous theologians, everything. All kind of podcast plot, pat, um, platforms, everything else or whatever. But... A lot of them, they just, academics, they love information, love history, believe even the story of, you know, God, Jesus, and everything. doesn't mean that they actually know the Lord, right? So he's trying to make a very specific understanding of knowing when he's talking about this. Time came in my life later on where I actually met the Lord, and it was different. It was very, very different. It was different because it's where I, I, God, by his grace, gave me the power to, like, die to myself. Like, before I said that prayer, like, a I said a prayer all the time. Like, Lord, do save me, whatever this, whatever he said. I had an altar call all the time, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I just, that was just a regular ordeal or whatever. Like, you know, you're in some kind of youth group. You hit an altar call. You get sad or whatever. I know I'm terrible. And then you go up there and you say the prayer or whatever. Hit that thing 20 times. I was just getting more and more wretched. But then one day, I hit it, and the ass was different. The ass wasn't God fix my problem or fix me and just make things better. Because I always had an idea. I'm like, God, I got some things messing it up. I'm trying to get to the money, and this, this sin is so terrible. But I, I'm just trying to use God for whatever I, I need him to do. Never landed. Then I came up one day ready to die. God, kill me. Lord, you're king. My sin is offensive. I, I, it, it came together all of a sudden. You get where I'm coming from? Everything after that was different. Everything after that was different. Where I went was different. My friends were different. The drugs were gone. I was a severe alcoholic. It, it, it vanished. My ambitions and life changed. I married my girlfriend. All these different things happened. And it happened over time. Because I was testing, I, I, was not, I was like, I, I don't got the energy to act good. I already tried that for the last part of my life. I'm like, yo, if this God thing is real, like, 
I don't know much about this thing, but I imagine there's a power that's supposed to be doing or bubbling up in you. We used to sing this bubbling in your soul. You remember that song? I'm like, I know these songs. I heard some stuff about this stuff. Where's the bubbles at? Right? I'm waiting for the bubbles to happen. Well, they started happening, right? It didn't look like what I thought it was. And so what I'm telling you, when I'm running off that list, that's not my I got good list. That was God started bubbling up in my soul and it started causing me to actually want to keep commandments. Do you get where I'm coming from? Not I'm working to keep the commandments, but I actually begin to trust God. I begin to like things didn't feel the same. I was like, yo, God, is this is crazy. They didn't tell me about this. Like he's literally like changing my desire. You get where I'm coming from? I could feel him talking to me. We sung a song this morning, whatever. I was like, we were singing the song. I was like, this is it right here, whatever. Um, what does it say? So pull me a little closer. Take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart because your love is so much sweeter than anything I've tasted. I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart. And your love has ravished my heart and taken me over, taken me over. And all I want to be is with you forever, with you forever. I don't feel like that every day. But I never felt it before until that day. You get where I'm coming from? Never felt it. I never knew what that is. I never knew how to do anything but please myself all the time. And I knew it was going to be a path to destruction. You get where I'm coming from? God did something. So when John is talking right here and he says, and by this we know that we have come to know him. He's just saying, this is how you know that you know him. He says, you keep his commandments. But I don't want you to get it twisted. This is not that you are writing rules on the wall and you are making sure you are following the rules on the wall. This is you are having an experience with God where he is drawing you towards him. Some days it may look like you're walking and you cutting back or whatever and you don't care about the kingdom. You're like, man, I tried to stay over here or whatever. I can't live over here in this darkness anymore. I got to get back. You get where I'm coming from? You can't find any rest going the opposite way anymore because the spirit of God is doing something inside of you. Anybody ever try to dip on the Lord and it just don't work? Or you just start getting this feeling where you're like, Lord, I need to be, I've been away too long. This ain't working for me. Back in the day, I could just roll like this and I'm good. I didn't have any conviction. I didn't feel bad when I was doing this to people or when I was doing this to myself or whatever. It just was, it could be all fun and I could be at peace in my sinfulness. It don't work for me no more. That's not about your goodness. It's not because you're good now. It's because God is doing a good work in you now. He's drawing you to living a life that's honorable before him, living out the commandments. Do you get where I'm coming from? And where he's calling you to is to the light, to bring that thing into the light, as John is talking about in the first part of John. Bring it into the light. He says, if anybody says they don't sin, they're a liar. The problem is keeping the sin in the darkness. So this keeping a commandment is this idea of living this life that is in the light where God is continually washing you and sanctifying you. Y'all with me so far? I just want to make sure it lands on you. I want to make sure it hits hard, all right? And can we, in, in, this, in this word, keep, right, that he keeps using, it's all through the text. It says if we keep his commandments, right? goes in verse 4 or whatever he says if the person does not keep or whatever if you look in verse 5 he says but whoever keeps his word he keeps saying this word keep let me tell you what the word is the keep is it, it, it's, it's from a greek word terio right and what it means is the safeguard it's like a security guard right you think of like a security guard walking the perimeter just watching keeping his eye on stuff or whatever right making sure everything's good to go or whatever 
it means that we are keeping our eyes on what God puts in front of us, right? You ain't going to have the best days all the time. You might be on the back of the end of the building checking out. Somebody might sneak through the front, whatever. doesn't mean you're not a guard no more. You may need to tighten up a little bit. You get where I'm coming from? You may need some new systems in place, whatever. I need a couple extra cameras over there, whatever. Matter of fact, I need to, they got a new tech, whatever. I can put on my phone and watch. I'm on the back. Whatever you got to do. You get where I'm coming from? I did all that for Jonathan Mendel. That's our tech guy, whatever. He gets hype. He gets hype over that stuff like that, whatever, right? But it's safeguarding. It's not a, are you doing works to prove it? This is Holy Spirit working through you. One of my friends, a couple of guys, pastors I work with this week, we were meeting and we're going over some curriculum that they're building uh, for discipleship in an urban context. And they gave me this um, definition for a disciple that I thought was great. It's super simple or whatever, right? But their definition was a disciple is someone whose dreams and lifestyle are becoming like Jesus. Pretty simple. Their dreams and lifestyle are becoming like Jesus. They're actually functioning where they're pursuing Jesus, right? Their dreams, whatever that is, like God is actually bigger and higher than anything in their life, and he shapes their life. You feel me? That's what John is pushing them towards. Like, yo, if it doesn't look like this, if it doesn't look like this or whatever, this is one of the ways that you can, you can tell. It's a body of some data you can get from this, whatever, right? Verse 4, he says, whoever says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Saying this is how you spot a fraud. Doesn't mean you're watching somebody to see if they make a mistake or if they're having a bad day. It's saying that if somebody has a lifestyle that is overtly waging war against God. Then you already know what it is, right? Doesn't mean you pull out some bricks and stone them. Maybe they're deceived about what they think the Bible actually says, and you actually need to be a disciple and sit down with them and read the word with them. I came to, I, I, I had some very bad theology at one point, and somebody actually sat with me and began to walk me through it, and I wanted to strangle them the whole time. But what they was telling me was the absolute truth. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I thank God for them. They changed my life by having hard conversations with me, dealing with my attitude, you know, because I was just like, oh, yeah, 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 well, that's what it says, you know, and I'm like, crap, that's what it says, okay, all right, you get where I'm coming from, like, that was it, but by the grace of God, he wrestled me and began to show me truth, gospel became, some people get mad when I use this word, it became more delicious than it ever has, you get where I'm coming from, and just keeps on getting better, but somebody had to say something, so when he says this, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not him. He's talking about somebody who's postured their life against God. Somebody who does not live their life in the light at all. They brought down God, his holiness to mm, whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this isn't a litmus test for how awesome you are. So if you feel like you aren't all that in the crowd. You aren't. None of us are. All right. Verse five, it says this, it says, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. So he's also telling us how to spot something that is real, right? 
one of the things, what that looks like, keeping the word, being a guard, terio, like that Greek word, like being a guard, watching it. It looks like we are actually, like we have practices that result out of a desire to want to be close to God. Y'all could be at the beach today, but you're here to hear the word of God. Why do you come to hear the word of God? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? And you might be going, I actually haven't read it in a while, or whatever, right? <laughs> Maybe that's the case. Sorry. But I'm just saying, this is a practice right here to show up and hear the word of God, to receive the word of God, to think it's actually a necessity, to think that gathering with the body of Christ and having community is actually something that you need in the light, in your life. There's a lot of parties going on right now. It can be a lot of other places right now. It's really hot out here right now. All right. I can give you some reasons, but it's something about this gospel, something about Jesus and something that he's driving inside of you. It's something about a desire he's placed inside of you that's causing you to keep his word. Right. Let me give you an example. And this part right here when it says, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Let me give you a picture in a, from a carnal sense. You think about somebody who is an alcoholic, right? And they start going to AA meetings. They show up at AA meetings almost every night of the week, right? It doesn't mean that they're perfect in their sobriety at all. But they actually have this, they're walking in the light, per se. They're showing up to a space going, I have a problem. I have a problem, right? It's the first thing they say up in there. My name is so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. They show up every single night, and when they get ready to talk, they make the same statement. They bring their issue dead into the light. We could learn something in the church from their practice. They bring their issue dead up in the light, and they're like, I'm showing here up here every single day. Because when I show up here, I begin to be perfected and not live like an alcoholic. Y'all get, get where I'm coming from? They've actually submitted to a process that begins to actually sanctify them and heal them. Often, like for church, it looks like we show up and we're like, I'm good. Just loving the Lord Jesus every day. Just letting his sweet just wind blow on me. Just, it's wonderful. How are you? Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't show up like, hey, I'm so-and-so, whatever, and I love porn, but I'm here because I want to hear about Jesus. We won't do that. We won't do that. It's a problem. It's a culture problem. Because the word actually calls for it. And AA, they come in. They have a sponsor. Confession. Right? They confess. They walk in the light. They have an emergency, about to do something crazy, bro. I'm, come get me. Or I slipped up. I'm at the bar. I'm stuck out here. Come find me. All right, I'm coming to get you. Still in the process. Still in the process. Doing amazing, although you messed up because you're still walking in the light. You get what I'm talking about? So, so, so this, you read a text like this. If you don't, if you don't, Back up and look at it through the lens and love of God's heart. All you see is rules. 
God, I'm not following the command perfectly. God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hitting it. I'm not in the word all the time. I need to be reading my word. Man, you know what I'm saying? Like, enemy starts the work. You get where I'm coming from? If there's anything I want you to get today, I want you to get, I want you to leave with this confidence in what God is doing. I want you to, I want you to know. I want you to feel like I know that I'm a child of God. And I know the metrics to measure that by. I know it because I got nervous as to whether I was or not and found my way to a gospel that brings me surety. You hear where I'm coming from? All right. Y'all ready? I'm, I'm, I know it's hot. I'm about to bring it home with this right here. I actually was so tempted to start off with this right here because I don't like working through text that I know throws you into condemnation and having you go through it or whatever and like, you know, working up to like, all right, here's the, here's the explosion at the end, the big, the big good part. Listen to this right here. Verse 5, he says, by this we may know that we are in him. He's basically just saying, this is how you know you're his. He says, he says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I don't know about you. I read that and I'm like, that, that's the pinnacle, huh? More, more vagueness, more, more, more pressure. Like, all right, my walk in the way. All right, my, my TikTok history, my, my Instagram history ain't quite right. Okay. You just end up condemned. Let me help you with this right here. Y'all, are y'all listening? I got everybody's attention. John 15. Let me read this scripture to you because it's, a, it's, it's such a... Listen to every, this is everything we just went through, but it's filtered through a lens of love to give you understanding. Like to me, this is the decoder in all of the text we just read. It says, as the father, this is 15.9. It says, as the father has loved me, this is Jesus talking, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This text is helpful right here. And the reason it's helpful because it takes out some of the coldness that we place in the, in the previous text. And it lets you know that this idea of following commands is an act of God loving us and wanting to have a loving relationship with us, right? Let me, let me give this to you in a, in a way that you'll understand it so you'll get where I'm coming from. Anybody ever coach kids in any kind of sports in the room? Any, what about like teaching, tutoring, anything like that at all? Yeah, in the room? You got a couple people? You know when you tell a kid and you're like, I'm going to use basketball for example. If you're a coach, and you're telling a kid to run a play, you're like, homie, I want you to drop to the top of the key, come back over here, whatever, swoop a button, pass it out to your man, or whatever, right? You give them instructions, which you're essentially giving them a command, right? And you're telling them because you're the coach, which means that you have an experience and you have knowledge and you have wisdom that they simply don't understand. You're the teacher. They're the student. Y'all with me so far? What you tell them it's for them to get better, for them to grow, for them to mature, 
in their, in their field for them to ultimately win, right? But if you ever had a student, like especially if you're like doing math or something, and you're like, hey, this is the, um, what's one of the keys, Lana, for like algebra or something like that? <laughs> like pi or something. I'm like, what's one of the things that you got to do? The little, you know, all that stuff with the X's and the squared and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Exponential functions. Okay, I thought you said Parliament Funkadelic. I'm with you. I'm with you, though. Okay. All right. So you tell them to run the play. Homie, this is the play. This is the, this is the code right here. You have to do this right here. When they don't do it, when they don't follow instructions, they end up losing. Am I right? They end up with it wrong. And if, if you work with a kid and you work through stuff like that, it gets really, really frustrating for them. And so frustrating at times, they begin, begin to take on that, like, I'm just not good at this. This just isn't for me, right? But it isn't that it isn't for them and that they're not good at this. They may just not be following the command you gave them. You get where I'm coming from? It's not that you're a bad basketball player. I'm telling you to play, and you won't run the play that we're telling you to actually run. Maybe you don't understand it, and I need to reiterate it. But if it comes down to a, to a, to a situation where it's like, yeah, Yo, you're actually just being rebellious because the play's here and you won't run it, it begins to yield not what we're actually looking for it to happen. Does that make sense? It's a simple concept, but it's also the same thing in, in what's happening in the text. Jesus is saying, like, he says, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When we follow God's commands, when we let, when we render ourselves students and we keep ourselves teachable, it yields a fruit in our life. It always lands the right way. You always hit the shot because there's always grace. There's always mercy. There's always growing. We're always beginning getting another picture of God and growing in relationship with him, right? And this is what he's saying in this text. I desire to be with you. I desire to know you. I desire to walk with you through the hills and the valleys. I'm going to coach you through it all. Follow my commands. It's not cold. Follow my commands. It's I love you. I know what's best for you. Follow my commands. I have something great for you. It's going to be great for us. I'm going to be in you. Because this, the, the, the verse 5 says, by this way we may know that we are in him. You are going to feel like we are together. You understand? Earlier I ran off my little resume of all the sins that started dropping off when, you know, when I got saved and the things I wasn't doing anymore. I, it didn't sound like, look at me. I remember, I was sitting with somebody the other day, I remember the moment when I decided to stop getting high. And what it sounded was, I was like, it sounded like this, I was like, oh my God, God, you have taken the taste out of my mouth for drugs. I cannot believe it. Because when I was on the drugs, I knew the drugs was going to kill me, but I couldn't stop taking the drugs. You get where I'm coming from? It's a really bad dilemma to have. This is going to kill me, but I can't stay away, I can't resist it. So when God began to free me, I didn't sing a story about how awesome I thought I was. I was like, I can't believe you did it. I heard that God does stuff like this, but you just did that thing to me. 
Like, I don't even like, I don't like this no more. And that was a process. That wasn't just one day. I'm not saying, oh, I went to the altar and all of a sudden everything, some things went up, but some things were processed over years. Some things I'm still working through. Do you know where I'm coming from? But even through the hard work, God keeps revealing himself and showing him faithful. It, he's, that's why I went and tatted on my arm because it's, as for me and my house, we're we, we going to roll with Jesus. Church, that's important for all of us individually to make that. What you going to do? The Bible tells us the world is going to wax more cold and more evil. When it wax cold, they're going to be looking at you like you're crazy. They're going to be mocking God who you say that you love. That's just a part of where this is going. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's in the scripture and the book ain't missed yet. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So like, as this becomes more true, you have to grow in your resolve about what you and your household are going to do. Right? And we find in this word. That's why it says, whoever keeps his word. And truly the love of God is being perfected. God is going to walk with us, grow with us. He is going to show us. He's going to mature us. He's going to sanctify us. He is going to become more and more beautiful to us. You are going to find yourself in him more and more and more. This may sound crazy to other people. It's not crazy for us. All y'all got up and could have went anywhere in the world. You're here at church this morning. God is doing something inside of you. And sometimes we kind of are staying in a purgatory like I know God's doing something, but we go ahead and jump on in. On, you know what I'm saying? What did Jim Morrison say? Break on through to the other side. Come on, come all the way in. I keep listening to all these old singers that y'all know nothing about. I'm sorry. Anyway, put your flag in the ground. Y'all with me? All right, listen, we're going to do communion. Everybody stand up real quick. I want to pray for you real fast. Thank you, Father, Lord. God, we praise you, Father. God, we bless you. Thank you for your word, your Holy Spirit, Lord. God, I pray for our church. I pray for churches in the city all together, but specifically for our church. Um, that you continue to do a work in our heart. Where we grab a hold of our identity in you, Father, Lord. Number one that we find peace in knowing that you are doing something in us and that you are doing something through us. You're doing something to us, Father Lord, and that we can rest in that. Save me, save our people from the lies of the enemy, which is always trying to get us to focus on ourselves and not look at the work of Jesus and what he's done for us. Help us to keep our, our heart on the precious gift we've been given of salvation, Father. All allows loud noise tends to mock what we believe. But for us that know you, let us not be let's not forget the monuments where you broke us through and let us taste your goodness. Let's not become nonchalant um, in believing, not nonchalant in trying to work but just nonchalant in our faith. Let us pray for our people when they're hurting, when they're going through things, when we feel off about things, when we're not sure. Let us have prayer as a function of just living and walking and continually praying, but not turn it into labor. Let us pursue you joyfully. Let us receive the work of Jesus joyfully. We thank you, Father. 
We don't know why you, why you chose us, but we know you have a plan and you have a purpose for us. Individually and corporately as a church, you have brought us here. We come from all kinds of different places in life, but you've sat us in this room today right now to worship you, to sing songs of praise to you, to preach the gospel about your son Jesus, to encourage each other to stay resilient and keep forward with the mission you've given us, to love each other as a community, Father Lord, to be resolute about our salvation and what you've done through Jesus and not let it be messed with. It's a glorious work. And though our flesh tries to dole that down, we declare that it's a glorious work, Father Lord. We pray that you hear us as we worship this morning and sing the songs to you. Despite how we may feel, we're going to elevate our worship over all of the noise this morning, Father Lord, and, uh, and give you praise because you are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. <laughs>